they're looking for something in their life because of a particular crisis that happened. I'm hoping to be able to walk the whole Camino. I asked my husband, Paul. You search for meaning. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Pergovich, and this is episode number 227. Releasing in Australian cinemas is Camino Skies, a documentary that chronicles the pilgrimage of six strangers as they take part in the Camino de Santiago, a 800-kilometer trek from France to Spain in which many find religious and spiritual growth. Joining me today to talk about Camino Skies is the film's co-director, Noel Smith. Noel, I thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. Hi, Matt. Uh, thank you for having me. So this um, subject is really interesting to me. The first time I heard about the um, Camino de Santiago um, was a film called The Way, which was directed by Emilio Estevez. came out several years back. And I'm just curious, when was the first time you heard about the Camino de Santiago and what really moved you to want to make a documentary about it? Um, yeah, well, well uh, my, I first heard of the, the Camino uh, through my wife, who um, had actually walked it 10 years earlier. And, you know, before we met, and um, so the whole time we were dating, she kept telling me about this amazing experience she had on the Camino and so that was the first time I'd heard of it and then uh, more recently a couple of years ago uh, Fergus who co-directed the film with me um, he sort of said oh what do you you know what do you think about doing a, a documentary on the Camino de Santiago and up until that point I hadn't really thought about it um, since you know since speaking about it with with my wife but the more the more we started thinking about it and the more we talked about it, uh, the more we realised that it would kind of just the perfect setting for a documentary and the types of stories that that we want to tell and which are, you know, quite feature everyday sort of people doing extraordinary things and, and people walk the Camino for all sorts of reasons and, um, and we, we were just really curious about telling these very intimate stories uh, against such an epic backdrop such as the Camino and such a self, sort of this perfect self-contained journey um, for the film. The Camino itself draws over 200,000 uh, people a year to go through this pilgrimage. Your film focuses on six people, primarily from New Zealand and Australia. How did you find your six subjects that you wanted to work on? Did you know of them beforehand? Did you meet them while you were there on location? How did you come across to get these six people to not only uh, um, work on your document, work with you on the documentary, um, but how did you even know of them in the first place? Yeah, um, well, I think in a in a perfect world, if we if we had kind of much bigger budget and unlimited funding and time, we we probably would have gone over to Spain and, and hung around and do the Camino multiple times to find out subjects. But um, because we were very much a independent, self-funded, sort of very, very small crew, uh, we knew that we had to find these, our characters before we went. And so some of those came about through um, people that we knew from who were 
kind of big characters in within the Camino community, uh, such as Sue and Claude, and um, and then we came across Terry's story from a newspaper article uh, about his first, the first time that he walked the Camino, and then through Terry we met his son-in-law Mark, who also had an incredible story and wanted to come on board and share it with us, and then. Um, and then the last two, uh, Julie and Cheryl, we found them through, we posted a, an ad in a, a travel company newsletter and say through that we had a bunch of people kind of get back to us. And in, in the ad, I, th- I think we just said uh, we're looking to film a documentary from this date to this date on the Camino de Santiago and on interesting characters and find out, you know, tell your story. And... Um, and so we had a bunch of interest from that, and, and that led us to Julie and Cheryl. And, um, yeah, and then we... I don't think we... <laughs> we didn't tell the group much about what we were doing. We sort of just said, uh, you know, we want to go and follow your journey doing the Camino and see what happens. And um, and so the first night... And we, we'd all sort of spoken... Uh, on the phone, and and there was a little Facebook group among us, amongst us, to to chat and talk about the logistic details. But um, other than that, we all arrived the day of or the night before we set off, and had a dinner and kind of met each other for the first time properly there. And and then yeah, and then the next day we we set off and started filming. As I mentioned in my introduction, the Camino is is a pilgrimage so there's a religious and spiritual aspect to it and it's very personal for the people involved a big subject in your documentary is that of grief um the majority of your subjects are dealing with grief in some way or another um when you first get in contact with your um the people in your film and you get to know them a little more is it easier for you as a filmmaker as a as an interviewer to gain their trust and have them open up and talk about their stories on camera. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think that's the the big important factor in in trying to tell these intimate stories is it's just time time to get to know people, time to for them to get to know you, to to build up a bit of trust there, and and just to make people feel comfortable enough that they know that you're not going to misrepresent them or, or that you've also got their, their best interests at heart. And, and that's, that's really, really important um, to us because we, we do want to continue telling these very intimate stories and, and you just can't do that if you, if you don't have trust. And also something, uh, another reason why uh, we were really drawn to the Camino as well is um, that we knew we could tease out these really intimate stories um, and personal personal stories uh, just because the very nature of the whole journey and the filming process, we, we spent 42 days filming, 38 days with, with the subjects of the film. And, and so that was every day, choose one person or two people to walk with that day and, and just have a chat. And, and so it was really casual. Um, and something about walking, just, I don't know what it is, it makes people feel comfortable to really open up. It's sort of similar to when you're on a road trip with someone, and I think it's because you don't have the, the pressure of 
having to make eye contact. You can just sort of look ahead and do your own thing and 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 get on with it. And and you know you can open up and share these really personal stories. Um, and and that's that's what happened. And I was actually surprised that the uh, the subject I think opened up a lot earlier than I was expecting. Um, you know, I went into it thinking that we wouldn't. The first couple of weeks would probably just be trust building and getting to know everyone, and that we wouldn't get anything really usable until maybe halfway through. But um, almost, almost on the first or second day, we, yeah, people, people just started opening up and, and sharing their story, and then from there it just got better and better. Throughout the journey, there are unique experiences that many of your um, subjects um, experience. Um, there's this one story where Mark, who is there, because he had lost his 17-year-old daughter to um, uh, cystic fibrosis, and he was there to do this in her honor and also to raise money for charity and such. He was telling the story about uh, he was struggling to climb a hill, and he was confronted by a wild dog and the dog is almost urging him pushing him forward and he felt that it was almost a kind of divine intervention at least on the part of his deceased recently deceased daughter and it's such a uh, magical and such a unique kind of experience to share on, on film um were there many stories like that throughout this journey did did many people kind of experience these kind of almost supernatural things to them when they were walking the Camino? Yeah, yeah, like, um, I don't know if it's so much supernatural, but um, a, a really common theme amongst the whole group was, and, and we had many discussions with everyone about it, was, was symbols and symbolism in life and, and, you know, whether you're looking for a symbol or a sign and other times it, it just you know, comes along and, and finds you. And, and so there would be many times, Mark and Julie especially, who were both kind of grieving recently lost uh, loved ones, um, they would often talk about symbolism and, you know, whether it was finding uh, heart-shaped rocks along the way or, you know, it could be just as simple as birds or, or butterflies and, and you know, Claude also uh, would tell us about stories of not knowing which direction to go and you know a bird popping up on one on one path and she, so she'd choose that one and, and that would turn out that it was correct so and and yeah so it did come up quite often and and the case for mark where we where we uh, have that dog in the film yeah he, he was really struggling it was the second second day in and it was some of the hardest terrain of the entire uh of the entire pilgrimage um it's really steep and we were had torrential rain the whole the first three or four days so everyone soaked everyone's down and it's the very start of the trip and mark as as he sort of mentions in the film and i won't give too much away but he you know, he was ready to chuck in the towel then. Mm. And just seeing this this dog, and it was a shaggy dog, and I, I was filming it. I was actually lucky enough to come up. I wasn't with Mark at the time. I came, uh, I, I would have been maybe an hour behind 
mark and I, I saw the dog as well and I thought, oh, I didn't didn't know how it would get used but I thought that's a that's a really, you know, beautiful scene, it was very moody and cinematic and so I just started rolling up and filming this dog and then it turned out to be the dog that, that he came across and that gave him the strength and the 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 will to go on. And um and that that was a bit of a turning point, even as early as it was, it was a real turning point for Mark because he I don't think he had a day as hard as that. When yeah. it, you, so the six people in your documentary, they are going through spiritual, religious, personal experiences while on the Camino. But what about yourself and Fergus while you're filming this? You are also walking the track alongside these people. You're doing the same kilometers. Do you also yeah. are you also affected um, by the power and significance of the journey? Or does, when making a film, does that distract you um, from what is happening around you? Yeah, it's a tough one. Fergus and I have spoken about it a, a bunch of times. And because we were so caught up making the film, I'm not sure that we got the same experience. Uh, and I, I think for, for us, more the process of actually making and finishing the film has been our own kind of Camino, it's, you know, it's been the hardest, most difficult, most challenging thing we've ever done, but also the most rewarding thing we've ever done. And, and so that's, you know, coming away from that, it, the way we talk about the film is very similar to the way that people talk about their Caminos and what they got out of it, and they meet people and they learn about themselves. Um, and, yeah, so I think we got that from the making of the film, but I'm not sure we got it from walking the Camino and I'd love to walk it again just without, you know, without a film to make. But, um, but just because we were so busy every single day, we were such a small crew. It was a crew of three people. Um, Fergus and I were directing and producing. I was shooting it. Fergus was doing sound. And then we had an incredible, uh, young production assistant who would help and, and, you know, wherever she could, but we were still just a small, small team. And so every day would start with a pre, you know, kind of pre-sunrise start most days, out onto the track, walking, trying to get the good light, and then walk through the day, get into the town in the afternoon, continue filming because we wanted to sort of, that was the other side of the Camino that we wanted to, to show and, and, and really just staying with our characters to be ready as soon as anything happened, just to roll up camera. But what that meant was that by the time, you know, the, the day ended and I would stay up copying files over to a computer um, and backing everything up, um, you know, it, it meant our day wouldn't finish until about 1am and then we'd get up and do it all over again the next day. And that was pretty continuous for... Um, the 42 days apart from we had we had one rest day in the middle somewhere. The Camino itself is such a physical endurance. I mean, 800 kilometers. From what I remember from the film, um, you're, um, everyone was trying to average around 20 to 25 kilometers a day. So you're looking anywhere between 30 to 32 days. So almost a month straight of walking. And that's, that's, that's a lot for even the most kind of high impact kind of, you know, endurance kind of athlete kind of to 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 undergo 
Um, yeah. One of your subjects, Susan, who was also one of the older uh, uh, people in your film, she was suffering from ailments even before she began the journey. She had a, cro- a crooked back, bad legs and everything. And every person goes through their own journey and she had her own motivations behind what she wanted to do. But, you know, it, it was hard to watch her kind of go through this. She breaks down quite a bit and this is the pain and the toll that she kind of felt. You, I, Myself as an audience member, you felt it too. Whereas you're there documenting her journey in particular, especially the physical uh, difficulties that she was having. Was there any concern on behalf of yourself and Fergus to try? And I, I know as a documentarian, you're there to document and not to interfere, but considering the physical insurance that she had to go through, I'm sure a lot of people were perhaps asking Susan to not press ahead and, 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 not, to, and not to go through any more kind of pain uh, to, uh, on this journey. Yeah, um, yeah. look, Sue, Sue is one of the most inspirational people I've ever met. She, she Every day she would get up and walk through it, and every day she would be in pain and... and um, uh, we we made it, you know, really clear up front that we, if anybody needed to take a rest or or, um, or drop out or do whatever they had to do, they, you know, that's totally their call, and and that we were there, like like we hoped that everyone would be able to finish it and be with us at the finish line, but um, but of course, you know, if people's health has to come first. And with Sue, it, it was just inspiring uh, watching her every every single day. Like the stuff you see on the film, uh, hopefully conveys it. But every day she would be in pain, and she just continued to walk through it every day. And then she'd have to take the odd bus or taxi here and there. And it, on those days, it, she would get really down because she sort of set these own personal goals for her and and I think for Sue she's she's just such an avid lover of of the outdoors and and walking that that for her it's painful to um coming to terms with with the thought of losing that which she slowly is um and and so yeah so that that was her story you know that was what she was grieving uh, was the, the loss of, of her physical ability. Throughout the film, it wasn't a dominant theme, but there was kind of like a low-key kind of debate about people who, when they do the Camino, they might catch that taxi or might catch that bus. Um, for Susan, it's, it's totally understandable as to why. Um, for some others, maybe not so much. Was there a lot of that happening throughout? Did you see a lot of pilgrims kind of just call time out and use other alternate means to get across this trek? And what was some of the people's reaction to that? I know, um, uh, like when I was watching it, I thought to myself, um, it kind of takes away from the experience of pilgrimage. But then again, I'm not there doing 25 kilometers a day uh, and going through all the stuff that a lot of these people are going through. Yeah, it's... um it's definitely a bit of a controversial thing on the Camino. You know, you've got your the hardcore Camino peregrinos who, who, you know, are very rigid in that in saying that, like, you know, you have to walk every single moment, every mile, every kilometre on your own. And um, but for me, I 
I kind of, I don't know. I, I think Camino is what is your own thing. It's it's your own challenge. Right. Like, um, and for Sue, even though she did have to take a taxi and take buses, she put her absolute everything into it. And and I'm sure if she had more time, she probably would have just taken a few days off and then continued walking. But um, yeah, we didn't we didn't sort of have that luxury to to do that. So so she had to skip ahead a couple of days. Um, but it is funny. You, you, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people do catch taxis where they have to, and a lot of people are on a timeline. You know, a lot of people kind of do this do the Camino on, on their holidays and so we, we came across lots of people from other countries who would maybe only have a week or two holiday from work and so they'd come over and do the Camino in stages and, you know, do a week here and then pick it up the next year. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think people set their own challenges and it's a very personal thing and that if you're happy with what you've achieved, then that's kind of all that matters. As I mentioned in, um, in my first question, the Camino is something that's been on my mind for a while ever since I saw it on the cinema screen. And I, I back then, I made a promise to myself that before I hit 40, I would do it. Now, 40 is two years away from me, <laughs> no. And so I guess I should start preparing. So you've walked it, you've seen other people walk it. What advice would you give to someone who is looking to do the Camino de Santiago, would you recommend more in the way of uh, physical exercise, more spiritual exercise? What is it that you would suggest people really, really put their work into before even commencing to set one foot on that path? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, a, a lot of people say that, uh, you know, that you don't, whether you, you don't need to train for the Camino because the first week, is going to be your training. The first, you know, the first week is always hard. You're always working through the blisters and and the getting used to that daily grind and the grueling nature of it. Um, so whether you know you can do as much training as you want. Uh, I personally, I, I did a lot of training for it. Um, you know, but partly that was because I knew that I was going to have to carry my camera mm -hmm. and then my backpack full of batteries and the rest of camera gear. And so I needed to make sure that I could keep up with everyone and also be backtracking between people because that's what, that's what we ended up doing through the days. And so I did a lot of training for it. But, and I, I, I would recommend that people do train for it just because it's grueling um, and, and you are walking every single day, which is what makes it so incredible. But I, I, probably the best advice I'd give to people is just try and not do it without a timeline or make, make sure that you have enough time to do it to take your time with it so you're not rushing because the main you know where people get hurt is when they can't stop for a rest day or when they're trying to keep up a pace that isn't right for them um, so I would just give it as much time as it as it needs if you've got that luxury um, or as much time as you can anyway and and also, it's a, it's a nicer experience being able to take your time with it. I think you would also mentally and spiritually get a lot more out of it if you're not rushing, if you're not thinking about, I need to hit, you know, I need to hit my 20K mark today or my 30K mark. 
So, ju- right. so just like life, treat it as an experience and less like a race. Exactly, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and it also it gives you time to enjoy those moments. You know, you come across such incredible little towns, and you meet locals or you meet other peregrinos on the way, and you want to have that time to be able to, you know, come across a nice town and maybe I'll stay here for an extra day and hang about and see what, you know, go exploring. It doesn't, it shouldn't be a race. Um, So, yeah, definitely like life. Shouldn't be a race. Just take your time with it. So for everyone out there listening, uh, this Thursday, it's Camino Skies, documentary coming out in Australian screens. Um, Look, no, I just want to say once again, congratulations to yourself and to Fergus as well. You guys put together a wonderful documentary, and um, I'm going to take your advice on. Hopefully, I will do it before I hit forty. Uh, but like, like, like we said before, let's just see how the experience takes me, even before uh, that timeline comes across. So, I thank you once again for joining me on the podcast, and once again, congratulations with your film. Thank you very much, Matt, and thank you for listening. And we also have a. Uh the film's got its premiere in Sydney on, on Wednesday, the 31st, uh, the Hayden... Uh, the Hayden Orpheum? Hayden Orpheum, yes, Hayden Orpheum Picture Palace. Excellent. Um, so everyone out there, please do check out this film. Noel, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you.